It's Monday, August 15th, 84 days away until the midterms of 2022, and you are at your home for misinformation, disinformation, also known as the truth. I'm Connor Coughlin, joined by my friend Paul Runyon, and you are on the midnight ride. Let's try this again, Paul, because the episode that we released on Friday, we originally had slated to come out today, but this Trump investigation and the desperate narrative the Democrats are are constantly crafting is changing at seemingly light speed. Well, it's kind of crazy. You know, we put something, you know, we have this great episode, we give all this good information to our listeners, and then literally a few hours after we put it up, things change. And I remember you and I having this conversation saying, this will be fine. I mean, what can happen in this short amount of time, you know, that would make it uh, irrelevant? Well, the warrant was released. And that changed everything in the time that the episode was posted and, and recorded and, uh, and now. So, you know, it, we just would be doing a disservice to all of you if we didn't at least provide an update. Well, I, st- I still think that the episode was very good, especially what you had on that Presidential Records Act, because it is starting to become very clear to everyone, I think on both sides of the aisle, that the point of this is to deny Mr. Trump the chance to run for election again. The powers that be never really wanted him to be president. They didn't want to allow him, as it were, to be president. As we saw with Crossfire Hurricane, the spying on the Trump campaign, the the whole two years and 30-plus million dollars of the Mueller report, and then the impeachment, and then the second impeachment. And now... We have this. And and so just to recap, we recorded actually a few days early, and and that is uh, what Paul is talking about there. But when we had recorded, we had heard that Mr. Trump was suspected of Presidential Records Act, that he wasn't giving everything up to the archives. When everybody in the public square laughed and said, well, that's absurd. I mean, you don't need to raid his house for that. Then we heard different things like, Anonymous sources saying that maybe he had nuclear materials, top secret intelligence, and now the latest, the Espionage Act. Paul, what's going on here? Well, I have the warrant in front of me, and usually warrants are very specific. Like if you get a search warrant from a judge, you've really got to be very clear about what you need. What is the information that you need to find that's going to prove that a crime uh, was committed? And so I've been looking at this and there's a couple interesting things. Number one, the warrant reads, you're commanded to execute this warrant on or before August 19th, 2022. So, which is not to exceed 14 days uh, in the daytime between 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So that essentially means that they had two weeks to to do it after the judge uh, granted them the ability to do it. So I'm wondering, given that they did that, and then I think it was actually on August 5th was the day that they, that the warrant was signed. And then it was a few days later that they actually did the warrant, I think three or four days after that. August 8th is when they executed. August 8th. So was there really any kind of, they didn't seem to be rushing. Let's put it that way, right? So if, if there was anything that was of extreme importance to national security, I I thought they might've done it right away and done it faster. So that was one piece. And the judge even gave them 
uh, 14 days. So here's how it reads also, okay? So I'm going to read you the, it says property to be searched. The uh, They give the name, it says, essentially gives the address of Mar-a-Lago. And then it says, it's described as a mansion with approximately 58 bedrooms, 33 bathrooms on a 17-acre estate. <laughs> wow, wow. 58 bedrooms. Not even Paul Runyon is, has that. <laughs> <laughs> 33 bathrooms, Connor. How, do you, how would you clean all those? Well, he's got a he's got a cleaning staff. I would imagine it, it ain't Melania doing it. Yeah, he doesn't have. I know. So then it says the locations to be searched include the quote 45 office, all storage rooms, all other rooms or areas within the premises used or available to be used by former POTUS and his staff in which boxes or documents could be stored, including all structures or buildings on the estate. It does not include areas currently being occupied, rented, or used by third parties like Mar-a-Lago members and not otherwise used or available to be used by the former F POTUS, former president and his staff, such as private guest suites. What we also heard is that they went through Melania's closet and went through all of her clothes and her pockets and all of that. And it's interesting because they said, you know, areas available to be used by former POTUS and his staff, they didn't mention his wife. So I'm not sure if that was... Yeah, maybe the FBI has got some panty sniffers or people that, uh, you know, have a thing for Melania. Yeah, who knows? But they've got, you never know what they did. Apparently, Eric Trump said that the, I think I said this in the last episode, that the cameras may have kept rolling. So there could be footage of that search and we'll get to see more. Um, so what what they're entitled or what they're supposed to take, what's in the warrant, it says property to be seized, all physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other illegally possessed in violation of 18 U.S. Code 793, 2071 and 1519. So 793 is the gathering, transmitting, or losing of defense information, which uh, is part of the Espionage Act. 2071 is concealment, removal, or mutilation generally of documents, which is under records and reports. And then 1519 is destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations and bankruptcy. That's obstruction of justice. So They've got those three pieces there. And what the way they the way they wrote it out was any physical documents with classification markings, along with any containers, boxes, including any other contents in which such documents are located, as well as any other containers, boxes that are collectively stored or found together with the aforementioned documents and containers, boxes, information including communications in any form regarding the retrieval, storage, or transmission of national defense information or classified material, any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021, or any evidence of the knowing alteration, destruction, or concealment of any government and or presidential records or of any documents with classification markings. So that's what they were entitled to take. It wasn't very specific. It was almost like anything. So you didn't really see you would think if they had concerns for certain things that were there that were missing, that they would go for those. But it it sounded almost like a fishing expedition. Yeah, it did. And remember, last week on the Midnight Ride on Friday, we talked about the judge in this case, who clearly, I don't think we can say, is not a political partisan based on 
what Paul told us last week. So then the narrative has shifted. And even what the Department of Justice has said, I mean, Merrick Garland was backed into a corner and had to come out and sort of explain that he ordered the raid. Okay, that's not what we initially heard. But he came out and said, look, I ordered the raid. And, you know, he said, look, we're not political. The Department of Justice is not political. We will follow the facts without fear or favor. And he defended it. But this has a familiar sort of feel to, I mean, what we've seen over the last five years. And um, I want to go to our tweet of the week. The tweet of the week is from Scott Adams. He is a blue check at Scott Adams says, and his profile says, number one best predictor in the country during the pandemic. And uh, this is his tweet from a few days ago. He says, we've learned so much about how fake news is manufactured. Anonymous sources, wrap-up smear, shift in a skiff, parentheses, I saw it, but you can't. Use artificial intelligence to hide opposing narratives on social media. List of liars, parentheses experts, laundry list persuasion, and finally, truth emerges too late. And many times for Donald Trump, the truth emerged far too late. The damage was done with the Russia collusion narrative, these fake impeachments. All of these anonymous sources, it has a familiar feel because with all of these things, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't true, but now this, right? And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, there wasn't really a sense of urgency. If they thought that he was going to release this intelligence or something, they would have been moving much quicker. And that's really just call up Donald Trump's lawyer and say, hey, we're coming back over. We want to look at some things. You raid his house if there's a sense of urgency or if you're trying to prevent him from being the president of the United States in 2025. So, you know, this is it just has this, a familiar familiar sort of feel to me, as Scott Adams pointed out. All of these anonymous sources, it feels fake to me, Paul. Well, it does because you don't know. I mean, I think people have to realize that when they read the mainstream media is that it's really just political theater at this point. I think Matt Taibbi said that in one of his recent articles. They, it's essentially, they take what happened or may have happened and then they like, they put their own layer of messaging over it. And it's not just the mainstream media. I mean, I think Fox News, Breitbart, they all do it to the same way. I mean, that's just how the news works these days. But what's alarming about the whole thing is that, you know, you can take a look at this warrant and some media outlets are going to say, well, look at this. This is, you know, it says confidential documents and these are real, you know, this is real stuff. And and then you'll see another news outlet will put their own messaging on it, being like, yeah, it's a real warrant, but this stuff isn't that important. And then you'll have two different audiences believing two different things from the same piece of information. And it's hard to parse what the reality is. And had had there not been all of this like pile on Donald Trump for like the, the past six years where they're doing, you know, the fake Russia hoax and that he tried to grab the the wheel of the the Secret Service vehicle, which was debunked, and the whole 25th Amendment, and that he called troops losers, and that all this kind of stuff that all turned out to be fake, you know, you might believe this. But in light of all of that, there's a real lack of credibility. The other piece that's in, interested about interesting about this is that they were asking specifically for all documents that were marked classified. The president is the ultimate declassification authority, and there is no 
sort of determined like constitutional process for how he declassifies those. And his attorneys are saying that there are no classified documents because he's declassified all of these before he left. And I, the, the government has no case on that because I don't think there's, there's no like formal process in the constitution that the president has to follow. Like he can literally just say verbally, like these are declassified and that's it. I mean, that's the amount of power that you have as the president. So no matter what's in those documents, if he said they're declassified, they're declassified, which then just makes this a sort of standard Presidential Records Act thing and not espionage. Yes, but if he hadn't done it by August 8th, can he sort of do it after the fact, like a kid saying, uh, no, those are actually, uh, that's actually safe area, that's home base now, you can't tag me. Or, or, I mean, if he didn't do it before the day of the raid, they would still be classified, right? No, no, it's, he has to declassify before he leaves office as president. Okay. So not the date of the raid. He's former president now, so he doesn't have the authority. So, so we're talking January 20th, 2020. So he would have had to do it then. And there, his lawyers are saying he already did it, but it's almost an impossible thing to prove either way because he could have, I mean, could he have just said to himself in the Oval Office, hmm, these are now declassified. <laughs> so, and, and how's anybody going to disprove him, right? We don't know what the reality is. And, I, and, and there's no, you know, this is different than say Hillary with classified information in her basement. She's not the declassifying authority. So she is responsible. You know, if those things are classified, they're classified. She doesn't have an out. Trump does. Yeah. I mean, he was a little bit busy right up until January 20th. I don't know if he would have declassified it. By the way, the name of the law, the Espionage Act, it sounds pretty damning. If you're found guilty of committing espionage, that means that you you spied or you gave secrets to a foreign country or an enemy. That's not what the Espionage, espionage Act necessarily covers. As Paul just said, this actually you know, covers c- crimes of negligence where people mishandle things and they could get out into the open. It, it, it's it's. I'm not saying that that's not important, but if that's what they're alleging here, at least partially, that's not necessarily worthy of of what we've seen. Because as we pointed out, this is more than just Donald Trump's handling of classified information. The entire reputation of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the United States Justice Department is at stake. We talked last week on Friday about how this is going to play out in the midterms. And I saw one poll, I think it was from Trafalgar, which, you know, they asked people, does this make you more likely to vote in the midterms? And, you know, Republicans and Democrats were, I think, about equally energized as a result of this. Again, we have to look at everything that Joe Biden's administration does through the prism of politics and what they hope to achieve. But when they asked questions about, is this a political witch hunt and and about the reputation of the Justice Department, independents were very much on the side of Republicans. A majority of independents were calling into question this raid and basically saw it as some sort of sham. I think as the week went on from Tuesday, Presidential Records Act to Thursday, Nuclear Secrets, Friday, Espionage Act. And and later on today, you know, the one week anniversary of the raid, we could hear more sources 
uh, anonymous sources feeding the New York Times and others a different bill of goods. Uh, but clearly right now, I think the American people, at least those that are not, you know, complete blue partisans, are kind of not buying this and, and thinking that this was a sham. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's it's still hard. Like, I can't conclude specifically that it was a sham, you know, and I think I, I said this before because to me, it's almost like, okay, he did something wrong. He shouldn't have taken all boxes and boxes of these records. I mean, that's obviously something you're not supposed to do. It's like a violation of the, of the Presidential Records Act. So, you know, he shouldn't have done that. Paul and I both had, you know, in the military, we had clearances to handle secret information. I mean, like, we're not defending Trump's stupidity or negligence here, if in fact he did anything. If he did, then, you know, maybe he should be held to account. But this seems like a witch hunt. Well, yeah, because Obama, I mean, he returned like 33,000 documents or something like that. So he's not the only president to, you know, for this to happen. And after every president leaves office, they have to go and see what are official records. But it seems like they're just taking it overly hard on him. And I have a, a statistic here, which has shown what this has done for public trust in the FBI from 2019 to 2021 with all of this happening. And this is interesting. So Democrats have an overall approval in 2019 of 66% of, of Democrats have public trust in the FBI. And that has remained unchanged. It's still 66%. Republicans have dropped from 46% public trust in the FBI to 26%. So that's almost in half that they're, and, and independence has gone from 57%, excuse me, 48% to 41%. And overall, it's a 13% drop. And it's just why the FBI is putting and the Justice Department, you know, is doing this to themselves when I feel like none of this is necessary, that, you know, they're hurting their own reputation because we are rule of law and we need a good FBI and we have a lot of good FBI agents and we have a lot of good hardworking people at the Justice Department. And they're painting the entire thing in a, a bad light and they're doing it to themselves by doing these, this kind of needless political activity. Well, they are, they are, but you know, it's either that, I mean, this is, this is a pattern that we've seen. The FBI was used by Barack Obama in the final months of his administration to spy on Donald Trump. And we went all over this, we went over all of this on Friday, but Merrick Garland himself essentially worked with Randy Whitegarden and the National Teachers Union to basically open up domestic terrorism investigations on parents. A very political move. I don't think that Merrick Garland thought that these parents who didn't want their children to be taught disgusting things about gender or, or pornography or critical race theory, I don't think he thought that they were actually terrorists. This is a guy that has stood up there during his hearings for confirmation and said that, you know, right-wing domestic terrorists read white males are the biggest threat to our country today. <laughs> Never mind all of the Chinese espionage, everything that's going on with the communist, the Chinese Communist Party. He stood up there and lied. He's not that stupid. So he's he's a partisan actor. The FBI's been doing this since at least the last year of the Obama administration. And I think that 
okay, if you don't like what Republicans think or Democrats think, look at that independent number, 13% drop. And it's only going to drop more as a result of this raid. And, you know, I, I think that now over the weekend, interesting story, the post-millennial broke over the weekend that breaking the FBI concludes that Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger in the movie shooting on in the in the set on the movie shooting uh, the, uh, that poor lady named Helena Hutchins lost her life when Baldwin shot her. I, I don't know if that's damage control by the FBI. I, I, I mean, it shouldn't have taken nearly a year to uh, to solve that crime. Yeah, I know. It's the whole thing is kind of it's kind of crazy to me how they pick and choose what they want to do or what they want to focus on. What's interesting, Paul, is sorry to cut you off. We mentioned the law enforcement, right, and and how Democrats throughout from 2020, even before 2020, were just so anti-law enforcement, so anti-police. And now, you know, this week you have our vice president, Kamala Harris, saying, you know, we will defend law enforcement and coming out in favor of the FBI. This is a woman whose campaign was using its funds to bail out people who were attacking cops in 2020. And now she's a champion of law enforcement because essentially, I think what we're starting to see in this country, you've alluded to it, is the the beat cops, the city cops who are out there fighting the robbers, the murderers, the, the thieves, those are the, the people that Republicans and the right elevate and, and revere. And the FBI and the Capitol Police, those are the law enforcement of the left. Am I wrong? You're right. I mean, and I would, I would be, you know, it would be so interesting for me to know, and you know how the federal bureaucracy works and that it's sort of this big kind of bureaucratic leviathan, right? And they don't always go by what the executive says. But you'd have to think that if like the attorney general goes there and says, mm, I want to go after Donald Trump, what do they, they all just say, okay, that sounds great. There's a whole big sort of, a lot of people involved in something like this. And you'd think that somebody would come out and say something. And I don't, I don't quite get it. You know, it's just something doesn't add up. <laughs> there was one agent, you know, as they listed, and I, and I saw this on Twitter, I'll try to find it right now, as they listed the names of all the folks who were involved in that raid, one of the agents who was at, at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th was from the D.C. field office and has been heavily involved in the January 6th case. Uh, just happened to be in the neighborhood of Palm Beach, Florida, on on August eighth, as w- one of the people raiding the Mar-a-Lago estate. Just happened to be there. <laughs> well, he was walking by. <laughs> I mean, you're right, Paul. There's a lot of great agents and and people who've you know said that their whole lives they wanted to enforce the law, but at the highest levels. And also remember Peter Strzok, you know, in 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 2016 you know, saying, well, we have to have an insurance policy. The guy, that guy has no chance of winning, but just in case we have to have an insurance policy. That guy, yeah, he lost his job, but he is actually a paid contributor to MSNBC. And how many Peter Strzoks are there in, you know, in the FBI today? I I think, you know, as you pointed out last week, the Republicans need to have a plan for governance if they get power in 2022 in the, in the Congress or 2024. And I think one of the things that they need to say, in addition to the fact, like, if we get Congress, we're going to defund 
the expansion of the FBI or the IRS, those 87,000 agents, that's never going to happen. But I think, you know, if we get a President DeSantis or, or a President Trump in 2024, this is easier said than done. But how do you how do you fix the FBI? Trump can't do it because if if Trump tries to do it, then, you know, it's well, obviously he would do this as retribution for what for them going through, you know, Melania's underwear drawer. But if a DeSantis or somebody else gets in there, they can try to do it. But as we saw with Trump's first term, you know, these federal employees are deeply entrenched and it's hard to initiate change there. They need to do a, there needs to be real accountability for people in the government that do things wrong. Like you've got to, first of all, when it comes to law enforcement, you have to have very, very uh, specific guidance on political involvement with law enforcement. You know, it's, and I almost feel like, you know, in a way, does the the director of the FBI or the attorney general need to be completely nonpartisan? You know, is that something that has to happen? I mean, is there some sort of extra approval that they have to go through to, to be approved? Also, is there going to be real accountability for when people violate policies? I mean, usually the way the government works now is if you're found to be overly political, you know, it's like you might get a slap on the wrist or something. But most of the time, people just keep their jobs and it's business as usual and there's no accountability. But if like, uh, you know, and somebody in any government agency, doesn't have to be the FBI, was like, wait, if I do this, I'm going to lose my job and get fined or get sued criminally. I mean, maybe it's the, uh, the immunity that they have, you know, as members of law enforcement at that level, maybe that, that needs to be challenged. There's gotta be some sort of policy that has to get put in place to hold accountability on these folks. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the first thing is, I guess you got to win the election. As long as the Democrats are in charge, we're going to see more of these shenanigans over the weekend, house Intel Sh- chair, Adam Schiff, and Oversight Chair Caroline Maloney are asking the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to initiate a damage assessment of Trump's handling of documents at Mar-a-Lago, the first major oversight step by House panels into this manner. So that that came out by Politico. Well, we all know that's fake. You know what that sounds like to me? I mean, that's just going to be another ongoing investigation that's going to have no end to it. And I think we all know that, I mean, a damage assessment, I mean- Or it was planned. Yeah. I mean, what is, what is he doing? Like, tra- I mean, transmitting stuff to all of our enemies on purpose. I mean, the guy literally is just having stuff in his closet and like mementos and stuff. I don't, it's, let's just, you know, shift. All that stuff needs to get shut down when the Republicans take over the House. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats are just terrible. Adam Schiff, who, you know, again, as mentioned by in our tweet of the week, he went into a classified, you know, a SCIF, which is a secure classified information facility, went in there, looked at stuff, would not allow the Republicans to come in. Just a, a real liar and somebody who should not be walking through the halls of Congress. You've got Eric Swalwell calling out Republicans and calling out Donald Trump for classified information. This guy slept with a Chinese spy and he continues to, you know, he tweeted out on Saturday, back the blue or back the coup. You can't be both GOP. This is just ridiculous. November 8th is looming 91 days away, or excuse me, 84 days away. We got to get 
this done. But I just want to point out one more time. On Monday of last week, they raided Mar-a-Lago. On Tuesday, Scott Perry, the guy who filed articles of impeachment against Merrick Garland, had his cell phone seized in front of his family. Not, hey, calling his lawyer and having him come in. He FBI agents cornered him and his family and took his phone. Marjorie Taylor Greene this week, as a result of this this sham raid, has filed new articles of impeachment against Merrick Garland. This will go nowhere, of course, but I think he deserves to be impeached. And, uh, you know, it's just not going to happen. But Merrick Garland, if, if one thing we can take from all of this is thank goodness for Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump that Merrick Garland is not one of our nine Supreme Court justices, because it doesn't seem, despite, I, I had to suppress anger when he came out and said, we will enforce the laws without fear or favor, because I, I just don't see it, Paul. No, he's, he completely seems to just enforce the law the way he wants to enforce it with up to his ideology and his political viewpoints and focusing on his political enemies. There's probably a lot of bitterness inside him when he didn't get that Supreme Court nominee, uh, justice appointment, as as you said. And uh, he knows Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are responsible. Yeah, and Donald Trump, right? I mean, And Trump was the main guy that was running against, was running. Yeah, exactly. So this is where we are, you know, uh, as we wrap up this, this update episode, you know, we are in a country where half of Americans applaud this kind of stuff. And maybe maybe it's that's understating it because again as we talked about last week, Republicans are saying just wait till we get in there, the investigations that we're going to do. And so the rule of law becomes a farce and it's just political score settling left and right. And so uh, I don't know what the answer is, but the FBI if there's a DeSantis administration or or even a Trump administration as unlikely as that, or as more likely that seems right now, the FBI is not going to be on this. I still hope not. I hope not, too. I hope not, too. But the FBI certainly is not going to say, I mean, the president really doesn't direct the FBI. It's the attorney general. But they're not going to be on the side of the rule of law if it means going after people like Adam Schiff or Merrick Garland or anybody like that, right? Because they have the appearance of becoming a political organization. I don't know what the answer is, but uh, it was important for us to give you an update this week on on where we stood. We actually, this is the second episode we recorded for today. The first one became overcome by events, and so we, we released it on Friday. But final thoughts, Paul, as we wrap this up? Yeah, I just want to say that it, normally, you know, I, I, we did this show really to focus on the Constitution itself and small government and we try not to get caught up in like the sensationalism. And if you watch the news right now, it's like literally all news all the time on the Trump raid and there's nothing else going on. But this is such a magnanimous event and incident that has such a big impact on the country. I mean, I think for people living to just think that nothing like this has ever happened before. And that's why we just want to give you the update, focus as much on the actual documents uh, as possible try to keep the politics out of it and see things for what they are. We're not trying to put like a, a message over everything. I mean, we may lean a certain way politically. We may, you know, have our own beliefs, but we are trying to be honest 
with you, the listener, about where this goes. And we're not trying to put this like layer of political theater messaging that Matt Taibbi talks about on top of our show. And we'll continue to update you with this on how things progress with this raid and with this case. Uh, but next week, we'll be back with uh, some uh, other news and other topics of interest. So I think that's really all I have to say on it. But but uh, we just, you know, I just want to focus on how straightforward, honest, transparent and open we're going to continue to be on the Midnight Ride. No, thank you for, for that, Paul. And I know you've been, you've had a lot more, you've given, you've had a lot more pause with this because I went high and right right off the top and and we've shared with you sort of what the what the laws are how this all went down i connor coughlin would like to tell you don't just look at this in isolation you've got to go back to the presidential campaign of 2016 and look at starting there the actions that the fbi and the obama and biden administrations have taken and especially look at the oligarch owned corporate media and how they have covered each of these things. There has never been an apology. There has never been much of a correction. They just move from one fake story to the next. And as Paul has sort of alluded to, this story is is real. I mean, those are real documents. There could be real classified documents in there. And if so, you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. But I believe that this is made, this is completely designed to prevent Donald Trump from ever running for president of the United States. And as I've said, and as we've said on this show many times, if you think that somebody is the next Hitler, to what lengths would you go to stop him? Would you fix an election? Would you try to have him impeached or arrested on trumped up charges? If you thought that he was the next Hitler, that he was going to do some of those sorts of things, maybe you would. Right. And so that's that, those are my closing thoughts for this episode. Want to thank you for joining us on the Midnight Ride again. Apologies for the last episode. Uh, we had some events in our business lives that forced us to record a little bit early. But thank you for listening. And, and uh, you know, we're, we have a new YouTube channel that's slowly gaining traction there. The Midnight Ride podcast on YouTube. And of course, um, we thank you for, you know, those of you who share our mission of defending liberties and you know, small government, et cetera. We, we thank you for sharing that with a friend. Keep listening. We'll be back next Monday on The Midnight Ride. For Paul Runyon, I'm Connor Coughlin. Thank you very much. Have a great week. <laughs>